Hello, my name is Noelle Peterson. I'm a women empowerment coach, speaker, and author. I am so excited to share with Pearl today. Hey everybody, it's Pearl again. Welcome back to another Conversations with Pearl. And as you know, I am Pearl Sharenza, the owner and founder of Women's Successful Living, where we love to empower you to become a shero of your life by wearing your superpowers first so that they can become stronger for those that you love or whatever in life you are trying to achieve. And today I'm so excited because my guest, I met her at an amazing boot camp that I went to a few months back. And also uh, we have a lot in common and you're going to hear that um, in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about that. But Noelle Peterson is passionate about helping women step into their identity and power so they can create the life they deserve, desire. Excuse me. She is the author of Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered. She's a co-author of Achieve Wellness. She and the pretty half of the Smiling Coaching Couple. She used to, he's got a good smile, though, I have to admit. Uh, Noelle helps women awaken their dreams and design a path to reach them. She works with you on your identity your values, and boundaries by raising your awareness of your innate purpose and desire, allowing you to align your daily tasks and goals with your life's dream. Welcome to the show, Noelle. Thanks for having me, Pearl. It's going to be a great conversation. Yes, I can't wait. Oh my gosh. So we have so much in common. We're going to get to that in a minute. But tell us a little bit about uh, about yourself. Tell us about the journey that led you. I know the story and we have you know things very much in common with the story. But I would love for you to share with our listeners what brought you to the path of realizing that it was important for you to start putting yourself first. Yeah, so I was a missionary wife and pastor wife for 20 years. I spent many years uh, being somebody else's something. I was a mom, a wife, a mother, um, coworker, whatever. And I never took the time to figure out who I was and what I wanted to do and what I was set here on this earth for. In 21, I ended up in ER and uh, headed to open heart surgery with 13 days in ICU and cardiac care for a woman who was healthy and not doing anything um, under a doctor's care. There was no reason to be seeing a doctor. It was uh, eye-opening for my family and I to take advantage of every moment we have. I spent six months recovering and looking at life and where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? What do I want to be when I grow up? Um, I ended up leaving my job. Um, I wrote a book uh, the year prior and it's time to focus on the purpose I have in life and, and helping women find their purpose. And that that's what we're here for. We all have a story. We all have a reason for being on this earth. Uh, we're still here. There's something left to do for each of us. And we need to to do that in the best capability we have. And that's why my goal is to help women realize that and and find that path for themselves. Wow, you know it it seems like it's it's like amazing what it sometimes takes that one thing that aha moment, and it could be like what you said, you know, landing up in the hospital and having to have this emergency surgery and then coming out going okay, my world has just been turned upside down. And really, I like how you said, I'm tired of being someone else's someone. You know, I think that's such a powerful statement. And um, and that's where, like, and then realizing that and then starting to put the steps forward into leaning into that because it's not easy. And we can come out and have these aha moments. Like, 
I share often on the show where, uh, and you've heard my story where I did this identity and destiny class. And for six weeks, I was like, oh, I got this down. And when it came time to do my statement, I was like, I'm still a wife and a mom. I was still, as you called it, somebody else is someone, but why wasn't I my own someone, you know? And and to go through that path and, and you know, to start those steps, like I said, to lean into it, it's not easy. I mean, because, you know, we deal with guilt. We're, we're wives, we're, we're women. First of all, let's just start there. It's something that I think is in our DNA that, you know, this nurturing stage of us ourselves. And then when you add to it that you're a wife and then you add to it, you have children, and then I think even for like you being a pastor's wife, there's a whole different kind of expectations. I have a friend who's also a pastor's wife. And we've talked about this before where, you know, people come to you and somewhat, and, you know, we have this, and I know that I'm guilty of it too, even at the Catholic church, you know, we look at these, our, our leaders in our, in our churches, it's like, they're the, they this perfect lives and, you know, and, and we have to understand that, no, we're all human. They're human as well, you know, and. And to lean into that is is hard. It's hard work. And then to be able to say to those around you, whether it's, you know, people at the church, whether it's your job, whether it's your children, your husband, to be able to lean into them and say, I love you and I need to do this because I love you. You know, oftentimes, and I'm sure Noel, you've you've heard this too, where you know, women will come in and I'm coaching with them, I'm like, yeah, but what are they gonna think about me? We're so worried about what other people think and what, you know, what their, what their thoughts were. Um, and I want to share this with you. I, I share this on, um, on social media yesterday and all my, all my things about, you know, the concept of who we think we are when we're, when we're out in the world and we forget that our world could turn upside down. Right. And so I did this quote yesterday, be who you are and say what you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind, you know? And I think we forget that our loved ones aren't going to mind. In fact, they're probably hoping that we do something for ourselves. So like, you know, well, we don't end up in the hospital. We don't run ourselves ragged. We don't say we're hitting the snooze button because we can't get up in the morning because we're so tired. We didn't sleep. And, or maybe we're going to bed. We're worrying about, oh my gosh, did Johnny do his homework, that project, you know, all those things. So I would love to know, Al, for you to share with the listeners, like, what were some of the things that you put in place to start that step into that that new world that you were creating for yourselves? And then what was some of the pushback you dealt with as well? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is that it it doesn't have to be a single moment in time where, oh, I'm I know what I need to do. And you and you switch and you change gears. For me, it's been 19 months since my surgery it's been the recovery time and the thinking of you know going back to work and that transition and starting to write a blog and looking at life going forward and processing through the last at least the last 12 months of what do I really want to do what am I here for and every day taking time to step back and evaluate wait a sec, I'm still doing all this for them. How can I take time today to work on my things? I want to write. I want to do this. This is my life needs to go this direction, but he still needs me over here. And so it's a balancing act of figuring out how to take care of me and how to do the things for my business and my future 
that are different than my husband's who, even though we share an office, we share a business, there's things that I need to do for my role in life that are different and separate. And I, I'm daily trying to figure out how to make time and make myself say, no, I can do that for you later. I need to do this right now. And it's prioritizing what's important for me. One of the things that we work with our clients, and I definitely work with women, is what do you want to do? What is it you want in life? So for me, I wanted to be a stay-at-home grandma. And when I said that uh, five years ago, I thought it was clear. Being a stay-at-home grandma meant being at home and available for the grandkids. Well, then COVID hit. Stay-at-home grandma meant something different because I still had my nine-to-five that I had to do. But for me, getting up in the morning is to do what I need to do to share with the world, share with ladies that they have a reason. We all have a story. I spent 48 years thinking I didn't have anything worth saying. I didn't have a reason for me to get up on stage and share anything. It was just me. It was just my normal story. Nothing, no big deal. But we all have different pieces of life that brought us here. And in Each one may not seem like much, but it is your story. It is the reason that you're here. It is what has got you here. And it is the reason that you have the reason to share with your audience what it is that, you know, you're here for. And each of us is different. And that's why we're all, we're supposed to be different. If we were all like each other, it wouldn't be any fun. And so I, I've worked on being intentional on who I'm spending time with, what I'm working on, and what my calendar says I need to do, what my to-do list. I am a very much a notes person. So keeping track of what needs done and marking it off is you know, the highlight of the day. But some days it just gets busy and life takes over. And that's how it is. We've spent all of our married and motherhood lives taking care of everybody else. We got to find ways in ourselves to do that for us because I feel like we're going to be much better women, more impactful women in our worlds when we can take care of us and and focus on what is priority for us. If you know what you want, you know that path you're headed towards and husband, uh, kids, school, job, whatever comes in with different tasks or different ideas, You can filter them through the perspective of what your purpose is. And if it's not going to align with what you need to do, it's okay to say no because you're saying yes to your priorities. You're saying yes to you. I'm not saying you're going to say no to, you know, feeding the kids. That's not how it is. But you can adjust and say, well, I've got 10 more minutes. I've got to get this project done. And then I'll make you dinner. You don't have to drop it now. The kids are not the most important thing all the time especially when they're older and they can go fix it themselves, right? (laughs) It's working through those processes and evaluating things individually in the bigger picture filter. And what does that mean? Yeah, I love, I I love you said, you know, the kids don't always have to be their priority. And it reminds me of my, and I've shared this before, my sister-in-law, she's just so amazing. And um, I don't know what they call it, but she actually, when I years ago, my nephew is now, I think, eight. So he's around four, maybe 
And I went to go visit them in California. And she's like, hey, come upstairs. Sean's got to put his clothes away. And I was like, put his clothes away. Okay, I want to see this, you know, four year old put away his clothes. Right. And so I went up there and she's like, listen, I said, why, you know, why do you do this? Because I was watching him put him in the bottom drawer and it wasn't neat. You know, it wasn't expected. She's like, listen, I look at this, you know, I work out of the house. I come home. I have to still work at home as a mom and a wife. And she said, so I look at this. This is a business that we're running here at home. And he has a role in this business, you know, and his role is to pick up after himself, help put his clothes away. And she's like, it doesn't mean he does it perfectly, but at least the act of learning to take care of himself is happening as well as being a participant in this, in the, in the business of then running the house. I was like, oh my God, you're like a CEO mom. You know, I was like, that's what I called her. And I have a friend that wrote a book about CEO mom, but I was like, this is truly what I think is a CEO mom. And so I was like, no more stay at home mom, no more working mom. Cause I think at that time I was in the role of going full time into my business, but still working some, you know, and I was like, I love, I just love that. So, you know, you're right. Our kids, you know, I think as that, you know, my generation, I know you and I are not too far apart in age that we grew up. My granny took care of everything. She didn't even work out of the house. Then my mom took care of everything, but she also worked out of the house. And then now, you know, my generation, we kind of did a little bit of that. But then like you were saying, at some point we went, hey, this is not who I am. You know, my inner self is saying, yeah, I'm a wife and mom and I want to do this. I have, you know, my dreams. I have these things that, you know, what is my why? Like what learning to, you know, why, what is my why? Because, you know, if we leave this world tomorrow, if God says he wants us back, Life is going to go on. Our kids will miss us. Our spouse will miss us. They will learn, hopefully, a way to carry on. And the thing is, is like our job will replace us in five minutes, right? So it's like, what is your why? And what, you know, um, I have a great mentor. I have a, um, a small business. It's called Market America. And um, J.R. Reidinger, he, every time we would go to convention, he always talked about the dash. What is your dash? And this man passed away last year. And I can tell you, he was example of living your dash. And it reminded me that, you know, when we leave this earth and our family goes to our funeral, and if you were to say to them, all you're allowed to say about Noel and Pearl is what you saw them do for themselves and what their why was, are they even going to know what that answer is? You know, and if we don't set that example and communicate with our family, our friends, our loved ones, our realistic expectations of this is what I want to achieve. This is why I want to achieve it. And this is what it means to me. We are, we're doing ourselves the biggest disservice, but we're also not teaching them on the example of this is how they should also be living their lives. You know, um, I, I love it how you said that and being intentional about that, you know, like, what is your story and how are you intentionally living it? Because you're right, Noel. I totally agree with you. Everybody has a story. I, I have the best opportunity in the world to work with a nonprofit. I um, coach um, women. There are about 25 of them. And I tell each and every one of them, you have a book to be written. You have a story. As you come through this challenge, you're going to come out the other side and you're going to be able to empower somebody else that's about to walk a journey similar to yours, right? And so I love that you touched on that, that, you know, we have that story. So, so I, you know, I, I, one of the things that I 
my husband was a government employee. I saw the amount of time and work he put into that and all the things he had to do outside of work and everything. And, you know, as, and I watched him too. He just retired. It'll be two years ago, I think this, this November. But I watched him, especially through COVID, like help his staff work through balance. Like you were talking about trying to find that balance. I think sometimes we struggle with that in our life because of the guilt of, especially for women. But if I don't go over here, they're going to feel neglected. Right. And I remembered watching him. Um, he was so amazing. And it really warmed my heart to see that there are men in this world that understand the need for self-care. I think they all, for the most part, understand it. They just don't know the communication part of it sometimes. But I was listening to him. He had an employee that had the wife and husband both work government jobs and both demanding jobs. But his staff member, he was struggling with the schedule because they also had a little boy that they had to do homeschooling for, right? You know, this this realm of what the parents got thrown into was you both have jobs, but you both got to figure out how to teach, right? right? And they didn't sign up to do that. And I remember listening to him and co- listening to him coach um, his staff member on, okay, listen, for me, I don't care when you get the work done in the day, as long as you're getting it done. So if if your spouse needs to go in and do their job because they don't have that flexibility with their employer, then go for it and let them do it. You go to the school and then switch later in the day. And it was so powerful to see how he communicated that. And I think for me, sometimes one of the things that I come up against with when I'm working with my clients, it is the big part of communicating with our job, our loved ones, our children that these are my needs. These are my whys. So when you work with your clients, Noel, how do you walk them through setting those expectations, one for themselves, but also communicating those realistic expectations to their loved ones or job and so forth? Yeah, communication is a big one. And we, one of the things that we've worked with it, um, through marriage counseling over our 25 years of ministry is just the expectations and the open communication and how you really need to be using your two ears more than your mouth, the way that God gave them to you and active listening. So being willing to just sit and listen without the expectations of a response, without a reaction, you need to be able to hear what's really being said. And then you need to be able to verbalize your feelings and your expectations in I statements and sometimes it's making it making those statements in your head first in a conversation with yourself in a journal because you may not know what those expectations are we go through life a lot of times with unverbalized expectations even in our own subconscious we don't acknowledge what is actually in our own minds and our own expectations And when we can say them to ourselves, then we can work on saying them to others. It is very much a a world where we have to listen to ourselves as much. Um, And I want to challenge you on the balance of life, because if you think about a teeter-totter, when you finally get that absolute balance, everything has to stop. Nobody can move. But life goes on, and the the teeter-totter keeps teetering. We, we like to talk about harmony and is what you're doing in harmony with who you are and what you want in life. And sometimes 
you need to give more of that time to a child or to the spouse or to work with the understanding in your world that you're balancing all of that and you're harmonizing what life means. And I need to work hard this week so I can't do as much family or vice versa. But you are going to be giving more time to the kids because you only have them for 18 years. And that experience, that relationship, that communication has to build that foundation. I think it was the CEO of Coke that gave a, uh, a commencement speech and talked about all the balls of life. Most of the balls of life are rubber and they'll bounce back. Family is glass. If you drop that, it's very difficult to fix. And balance the balls of life strategically, intentionally, so that you don't drop anything that's glass or breakable and harder to fix. Work will bounce back. Like you said, it will replace you five minutes after you resign or you leave the job. My boss had no problem taking one of my employees and putting them in my position. Did it, she didn't even flinch when I said I'm resigning. She's done, done, the matter. My family, on the other hand, when I ended up in the hospital, life stopped. Have to evaluate the whole picture. And it's hard to see the big picture when you're in the midst of a crisis. But when you're taking care of yourself and you're, you know, you're journaling and you're doing the things that you need to do to be healthy and calm and relaxed in life, you're able to see things more clearly and from a broader perspective when they do happen. Yeah, it's so what you said about family and glass, it's so true. I mean, you know my story. We lost our son last July in a tragic car accident and the world stopped. I mean, it literally came to a screeching halt. Um, him and my husband did a business together. I mean, my husband had to push through and still do that because we didn't have a backup plan for anybody to help him on that. So even through those first few days until, you know, he could be like, okay, I have to shut down, you know, this is what's happening. It, it did, it come to a street, a screeching halt. And, and you're right. I love that they, that they give the example of, you know, your family is glass and, and they're very breakable and they need you during these, like you said, 18 years. It's interesting. You, you brought that up as well. I have one of, uh, I'm very close to my son's um, friends and I'm very connected with both of my boys um, and making sure that they're acknowledging their friends and being there for their friends as well. And um, my son had a really good friend who he was always there to listen to this young man. And um, since Matt's passed, he's going through some stuff with the mother of his child and he's trying to do custody. They were never married. So he's trying to do custody. And, and unfortunately, the mother's playing games and using the child as a pawn and, you know, all those things. And um, and he's you know, he was here and he was supposed to have, he had visitation, supposed to have her every so many hours, um, every couple of days. And so it was her birthday and she was here. And this mother put an Apple watch on, on a five-year-old with the, with, and was tracking her and that watch. And then whenever she was with my son's friend, she was calling like every five minutes. So no kidding. We just blow out the candles on the cake and this Apple watch goes off, rings, the mother's calling. And this little girl literally went like she just jumped in shock and you saw this fear on her face. And I pulled him aside and I said, just I said, told him, I said, listen, just so you understand. Seven years old, you got two years to try to help her get through this and pray this is not affect her the rest of her life. 
but she has been set up with fear and that you guys are not, you know, good together in communication. And he's a young man that any mom would want their daughter to marry and want them to be the father of your grandchildren because he is so kind and caring and gives. He would get a phone call and be like, well, if you want to see her, come put gas in my car. If you want to see her, I need food. And I'm telling you, he would go. And just recently, she decided she was supposedly going on vacation. She was trying to leave and something was wrong with her car. And because in his mind, his daughter's going to be in this car. He went over and helped her fix the car. But she took off and hasn't come back with this little girl out of state. So he has an attorney to help him with that. But I literally looked at him in the well and I said, don't take this the wrong way. But your cojones have to get into your mouth and you need to really button down and be ready because what what your glass and I told him, I go, your glass around you is starting to break. And I know your biggest cup is your daughter. And I don't want to see the glass break on you. And we, you know, I had him on, I was on with him and this attorney yesterday. I'm like, I'm here for you. So he's like, can you hop on the call with me? I'm like, absolutely. Whatever way I can support. And, you know, and I told him, I said, I know this is so expensive. And you just have to remember, you're going to get through it. It's going to be tight on your budget. You're going to maybe have to get a second job around her schedule. But understand, you're helping your daughter for the rest of her life to be important and to let her see that to fight for what you want, fight for what's right. And, you know, you're, you're right. I mean, family is like glass. And, you know, and harmony, the other word you said was harmony. You're right. Because like you said, that if it's completely balanced, it's not moving. And that's not life. Life is always moving. There's always right. something. There's always something. The needle's trying to be threaded one way or the other way. The balance, you know, it's it's always moving. So how can you find that harmony? And I, I love that you that you share that um, example. So for those that are listening, Noel, if somebody, um, I, I want to touch on the saying no piece, because you mentioned that earlier, right? And with what we're talking about, the word no has to come in a lot to play and learning to say no is hard. You know, I share the story here all the time that I, I was a people pleaser. You want me to do something? Yes. Like I didn't even think two seconds about, okay, where do you want me to help? Okay. You know, and now I'm not that way, but it wasn't easy to change that mindset of thinking I had to do everything for somebody because they, if I said no, I would feel guilty and all these things that we tell ourselves in the front of our brain of, you know, they're going to laugh at me. They're going to think I don't like them. All these things for me saying no meant drastic change for myself. So I actually, for the listeners, I took a pebble and I put it in my pocket. And if I didn't have pockets on, I put it in my bra strap and I would had to move it three times a day by saying no to something. And I found a couple of things. One, I found that as I started to do that, it became easier to say no. I started to say it so much more excitedly instead of feeling guilty out of my voice and my tone. And then the big thing I realized was that when I was saying no to something, maybe it's something either A, I wanted to do, but just wasn't in my schedule this year. So I would tell them, hey, circle back around with me for next year. Or B, I didn't want to do it, but I knew somebody. So I found that I was opening doors for other people to step in and and help them. And I just, I shared on um, a post today that there's a great local author and she's trying to get information uh, you know, about her book out. And I had her on my podcast here. We've been out and about to different events locally, but I was able to connect her with an international podcast and get her exposure there. And so by saying no, 
to doing the podcast for them because it wasn't my schedule. I was like, hey, I've got this person. So tell us, Noelle, how did you find saying learning to say no to be for yourself? And then how did you switch flip that switch for yourself? Yeah, it was it's a long process. I mean, I I didn't learn anything easy. <laughs> Everything's taking me time. <clears throat> um, but in I was a principal at an international school and I was, you know, leading the teachers and they were really on my case because I would just do anything that needed done. I was pretty solid that I would only work between school hours because when the kids were in school, I could be working. But if my kids were home, I was a mom. So I did have that boundary put in place. But I was just, I would still take some work home. I would work on the schedule at home while the kids were sleeping. Not much. But they were very much, you need to stop doing everything. It's not okay. I'm like, I, but I can. Why not? Why, you know? So I was, I was really struggling with the no concept as well. And we had a speaker come into a teacher retreat that year that talked about saying yes to priorities. And so really it's looking at what is your priority? What is your focus? What are you supposed to be doing? And what is your goal in life? And saying yes to those. So there's this task that needs done after school. No, so-and-so can do it. Like you said, there's other people that can step in. I think that's a lot of the pictures. We don't allow other people to take advantage of these opportunities because we take them and we just do it. But as women, we need to be nurturing others and mentoring others and giving those opportunities to other people. So I, I really feel that part of it is opening ourselves up to, well, that's not perfect for me. Who do I know that could do that? And looking at it differently that way. And so you're not really saying no in that case. You're saying, Susie would be great at doing that. Let's talk to her. And you're you're saying yes to a different opportunity. You're, you're reframing it. And I think that's the bigger picture for me is looking at what are the options. Look at the big, look at other ways that you can solve this issue. That person needs somebody on the podcast or they need somebody to do this task. Who's available? Who could be good at that? There's other people in the world. It's not all us. The weight of the world is not on our shoulders. It shouldn't be on our shoulders. We're not strong enough. And it's hard to say no. It really is. I really do feel, oh, that needs done. Person needs a graphic for this thing. I can do that. I can, you know, let me jump in there. But, but I, my time is valuable. My time is precious. And if we can't value our time, we're going to get overwhelmed. So what is what is my time worth? And if you'll pay me to do that, then okay, we'll talk. But if that's just a job that needs done, they can find somebody who can do it or they'll come up with the money and, and outsource it or something. Right. I love those that that sharing that you just did. It reminded me, um, I went from being the, oh, call Pearl, she'll, she'll, she'll do it for you to being the call Pearl, she knows somebody. As what I found happened. And as I was saying, no, I became that connector. Oh, call Pearl, she'll know somebody. And, and so much to the degree that I had a friend call me yesterday and she's like, hey, that event you're going to on April 15th. I'm like, April 15th. I'm like, what did I not put on my counter? Like I'm looking at my <laughs> counter. I'm like, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what you're talking about. And what it was, I had shared a women's event that's coming up here. And because I'm so connected to different things, they, they assumed I was connected to that event that I was, I'm like, Oh, and then I said, I can't find, like, I literally was going through my phone going, my, my emails, my account, I'm like, I don't I go, when you find it, screenshot it and send it to me. So she sent it to me this morning. I'm like, 
oh, no, I'm not speaking at that event. I just love the event. I think it's a great thing to do. And I'm like, I haven't decided if I'm going. It's a free event. She's like, well, I'm going to go. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'm going to go with you since you were so, you know, adamant and good about finding it. But I do. I realize as you're sharing that I went from being that people pleaser to doing everything to being the person who's connected to that degree that I'm like going, well, I didn't even realize I'd connected all those dots for somebody together, you know? So it's really, it's really powerful when we can do that as well. I love, I love that you reminded me of that. So, so tell us what, as a client comes to you, Noel, what can they expect their journey to be like with you? So we spend time looking at their inside, what's in between their ears, what's going on, where are they at in life, what areas need worked on, and what's important. So we want to picture that dream. Look at six months down the road, five years, however far out you can think. What do you want it to look like? And then we're going to talk about what that celebration would look like when you get there. And then we'll figure out the steps to make it happen. Because it's we got to have that dream in mind so we know what we're aiming for. And life is open. It is a full white canvas. We can picture it however we want. But I will say you need to be specific. Don't picture a dream house. And you know, I want a dream house on the beach. It's not good enough. Your mind is not going to bring that to fruition. Be specific about what you want. What kind of car, what kind of house, what city, what, how many floors, how many rooms. Be very specific so that you can work on making it happen. Because you want to picture it. You want to be in the moment. You want to feel what it's like to live there. And in that moment, in the person that you become, that is worthy of having that place and that dream. And then you'll make those steps to make it happen. To me, it reminds me of the file cabinet in our heads, right? We had that front file cabinet, like you were talking about between the ears, the front file cabinet that tells us all these negative thoughts that are like, that seems like the thing that pops out first, right? And then it's like, no, if I get to the stuff between my ears, that stuff kind of gets shredded away. And then I can really back here go, well, I knew all that was in there. Why am I not listening to what's in there? Why am I not realizing it? I was speaking with somebody yesterday and she said, she wants to be better. She doesn't want to be the best. She wants to be better than the best, right? Like elevating it up higher. You know, I want to be, you know, better than the best. I want to dream bigger. I mean, yeah, I want to dream, but I want to dream bigger, right? Then, you know, I just, I loved how she was sharing that yesterday with me. And, um, and, and, you know, that stuff between our ears can be such a negative talk for us. And, and, you know, and being specific of what we want is, it's hard work. It's not easy because sometimes I think what happens too, and this happened with a client of mine, she realized when we really dug deep, she wasn't happy in her marriage. And so she was like, you know, and she was like, I got to do work or I got to decide I'm not going to work on this, you know? And now I love it because now she's working on it. She realized what she wanted, but it was communicating, go back to what we've been talking about today, is communicating her needs, her expectations, and then asking the questions too, like, um, you know, with the I statements, like doing the I statements is so, so powerful. I remember when I, so I grew up in a household, if my parents got in an argument, they didn't talk. It was quiet. You walked on eggshells around the house and then all of a sudden everything was fine. I'm like, that's communications. What I thought was communication. 
So when I met my husband at a young 19, almost 20 years old, you know, if we'd have a disagreement or I didn't like something he said or did, I would just shut down because that's all I knew. And I always love to share how he would start having these discussions with me and he would talk for me. He would be like, he would say something, go, and he would answer as if he was talking on my behalf. And I'd be like going, I wouldn't have said that. That's not what I would have said. Right. And so communicating, you know, was something I learned through him because he's like, I can't address what's bothering you. I can't understand why you're feeling if you don't share. Now he'll tell you today, Noel, that I never shut up about it. I tell him all the time what's bothering me, you know, but, but that's, you know, that's our communication. And, and, um, my, our kids, it's so funny. My younger one gets his little, his wit from my husband, my older one, he struggled with how does that banter work? Right. You know, understanding that and seeing the communication, we, we wanted them to see that communication was really, really important as well. I just love that. And one of the things that we do in our marriage is, you know, if one of us comes home and we're having a, you know, it's been a rough day or something, um, you know, we might be, we, we say something around, Hey, are you open to receiving a, for a few minutes? So in other words, we're telling each other, we want to talk, but I'm asking you if you're in a mindset that, you know, I don't know what your mind, what your day has been like, are you open to, and we've made a commitment that if we're not open receiving within 24 hours, we have to be right. So we don't get pushed off. I didn't grow up that way. We just didn't talk about it, period. So that's, that's one of the things that we do around communication. Um, and then also learning, you know, that, that love language. We hear that oftentimes as well, you know, in different things. But since my son passed, um, we all agreed, my younger son, Nate, my husband and I, that we were not going to hide our emotions. If we wanted to cry, we cry from each other or whatever that might be. And I remember like, because guys process things differently, but I remember um, I was kind of like not having a great day. I was, you know, missing Matthew but my husband came home and he was kind of quiet. And I was like, hey, you know, how, how, how was your day? And he was like, life. And I sat for a second with that. I'm like, that's a heavy word, life, you know, to, to answer that question with life. And then I said, life, because does that mean you're thinking of Matthew today? And he said, yes. So we learn a new communication now. And the reason why I say that is I think we all need to we need to understand that that communication can change over the years, that communication style, mm -hmm. but to never stop with that communication, I think is really, really important. So Noel, what are some of the things like when you work with your clients and I know your husband, you, you and your husband work together and I love your hubby too. What are some of the things that you help your clients with that communication? Because sometimes you're scared of like saying this is how they feel. I mean, I can tell you right now, I have a kind of a strain relationship with my mom because she won't stand up for herself. And it's, it's hard to watch her go through that. Even after my parents are divorced, she right. still doesn't step in and stand up for herself because she doesn't know that she can or how to. So when you have somebody that's sitting across from you and they're struggling with that, what are some of the steps that somebody can take if they're listening today to say, these are some ways to start communicating how what's on your mind? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we do is um, we have a personality profile that we'll do with our clients right off the bat. And there's four main types of people that their main personality type is either talking about systems and the plan and the purpose, um, the community and the relationships, being taking action, what needs done, 
or um, information. What is? What are all the details? What's the why? What's the purpose? What's all the background? And when we, when you know the personality of the person sitting across from you, you can speak better into their language. And same with the love language thing. So you, we take the personality and the love language, and we put those together when we're working with couples to say, here's the best way to communicate love to your partner, because you're talking in their personality style and in their love language, and this is what it should you know could look like that would best love them the way they they would feel it. And it's it's important to understand that each of us communicate differently. One of the ver- first stories we talk about, we were in marriage counseling before we got married, and the counselor told my husband that he didn't have any common, or my husband said he didn't, uh, that I didn't have common sense. That's what it was. And the counselor was like, no, she doesn't have Robert's sense. It's different. Common sense is different for everybody. And it's what we were grew up with. We all came, grew up in different families. I mean, my daughter's going through it now as she's two years into her marriage. It's what we grew up with is our circle, our way of knowing, our way of communicating, our way of loving and being. But if you look at what your spouse's um, upbringing was, it's different. They didn't go through the same experiences. They didn't live in the same city necessarily. They didn't go through life the same way you did. And therefore, they think differently and communicate differently. So you have to know how you communicate and what's best for you. But it has to come out. I really encourage women to journal. When you're working on communication with yourself, write it out. You can speak into a computer nowadays in many different applications. You can type it out. You can write it with your hand. There's different ways that it works differently for others. And there's times I love typing, but I really like the hand movement and holding a pen in my hand. I'm old school. I get that. But getting those thoughts out of your brain, sometimes so you can even acknowledge that they're there, and then you can work on communicating them with others. But you've got to understand that we're all different and we come from a different background. And you have to be willing to acknowledge Pearl's life was different than mine. And it's okay. It's just different. We all have different upbringings. And now how can we work together? We do it at work all the time. We have to. Let's, you know, and working on a relationship sometimes is more difficult because it's 24-7. You're always there with the person, but it's very similar. We have to work together. Let's work on how. And sometimes it takes a class. Go to a, a Bible study together or a marriage counseling or there's marriage classes all over, you know, in the church and not. They're very valuable. And a lot of it is on that communication. Yes. And I love what you said. That's Robert's sense. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. But it's so true because you're right. We, we are all brought up so differently that, you know, I remember my, my oldest son, he used to say, you're such a dictator. I'm like, or not dictator, drill sergeant. He called me drill sergeant. You're such a drill sergeant. I'm like, well, I grew up that way. I grew up that you, your dad said, how jump. You didn't even ask how high you better jump. Right. Don't just and assume it's better be the highest you could jump. Right. So I'm like, I'm nothing like that. But I can I told him I I will acknowledge those things come out of me because that's how I grew up. That's my and where my husband, it's like a big everything is sort of a joke. Right. It's kind of funny. And and I remember um, when I met his family, his Uncle Jim, I love Uncle Jim, but Uncle Jim used to pick at me. And I grew up where you didn't talk back to your elders. Right. So here I am, this 19, 20 year old meeting this, you know, 50 some year old man, 40 year old man, whatever it was at the time. And so 
he's joking with me and he's picking at me and I'm just sitting there, you know, again, I was still early in my relationship with my husband. So I wasn't really answering, you know, back or anything. And I would, I would leave with my husband on our way home and I would be like, you have to talk to him. I don't like how he says such and such to me. And my husband says, well, you have to tell him, you have to push back, let him know. And I'm like, no, that's, you know, so I remember one year, one year at Thanksgiving, I will never, ever forget this. We used to do Thanksgiving with my husband's family and dessert for, at, at my parents' house for Thanksgiving because they lived about an hour from each other. And so we're, we just finished Thanksgiving dinner. We were just drew our names for the family gift exchange. And he was just doing this pick, 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 you know, joking at me. And I just lost it on him. I just let him know how I felt that I didn't appreciate I, I don't remember what I said, but I just lost it on him. And I told my husband, I go, I'm going outside. When you're ready to go, I'm ready to go. And I walked outside and Uncle Jim follows out like two minutes later. He's like, you finally stuck back at me. I've been waiting years for you to do that. I'm like, don't treat people like that. You should not do that. He goes, I was trying to get you to push back. And like, I'm like, yeah, but that's not how you do it with me. You know, so it just reminded me that, like you said, everybody's upbringing is so, so different. Um, I like what you said about journals. And so Noel, tell everybody about the journal that you've created. Yeah. So I, a little background is I spent a season trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life. And I was going through worksheets that somebody else had put out and I was very, I was just struggling. I was frustrated with the worksheets. I was frustrated with my life. I didn't know where to go. And I knew I needed something. I, I was working my job and I, and I wasn't really necessarily trying to quit. I was just trying to figure out what I should do in life. What do I want to be when I grow up? That was my biggest statement. And so my husband looked at me one day and said, then write your own. That's an option. What would that look like? It was, it was just, that was probably the, the most eye-opening, you know, pivotal point in life. It's like, oh, I, I can do that. So I took those worksheets. I took books that we had worked through as entrepreneurs. And all these thoughts of what would somebody need to go through to figure out what they want to do in life. And I put together this document that was massive. It was like 17 topics. Um, and I didn't know what to do with it. I was like, okay, I'm done. You know, that's what I did. You told me to do a book. Okay, there you go. Now what? And I didn't know what to do with it. I was, I was still working. I wasn't into this entrepreneur world yet. I was just, I don't know what to do with it. So I was processing through that and I was trying different avenues. And then we met a publisher who was publishing my husband's book. And we ended up spending a day with him in Florida and showed him the planner as well. And so he's like, let's print it. Okay, now what? <laughs> so this book got published. It's 52 pages. It is very thin. It's a small seven by nine book. And it is a workbook. It is not a book you read and absorb it is something that you actually do and it's it's not a journal it's not you know you're writing your daily thoughts it is a workbook to figure out where you are at where you want to go what you want to do in life and working on steps to get there one of the my favorite topics in there is uh, being intentional in relationships we are the people that we hang around with and if you like jim ron says the top, the five people you hang around with five think about the five people you spend the most time with are they encouraging you? Are they bringing you up to the next level in life? Or are they just keeping you stagnant or pulling you down? You need to be intentional about who you spend that time with. Your Uncle Jim. Think about those family members that are taking, draining you. 
It's not that you need to divorce them and leave. It's be intentional about the time that you spend with them. You you take um, Thanksgiving. It's it's a it's an example. How much time? Okay, we're gonna spend with this family. We're gonna spend with this family. And sometimes there's multiple families you have to deal with. You're intentional of how much time you're with each. You're trying to give everybody equal time. But if you don't get along with one family, it kind of gets unbalanced, right? Which is okay. Be intentional about that. So the the book is called Dream Life Planner. Because you're planning your life. You're looking at where you want to go in life and, and working on the steps to get there. I love that. And I love that it's not thick too. I like a good journal. It's not too, too thick. And, you know, and then also creating that workbook out of it too. I think it's, it's so amazing to do that. Um, this has been so much fun. So I'm going to do a little shift here with you, Noelle. I, um, we're going to kind of still along what we're doing, but we have this amazing group of women. It's called the Shira League. Um, it's, we're growing. I think we have over 25 women now in, in the, in the league. And we meet every Sunday evening from eight to 9 PM Eastern time. And we're working on things that, you know, we're working towards goals. We're working on supporting each other in joy. We work on supporting each other in challenges. Everybody's life is a different spot at that every Sunday. Nobody's on, a, you know, the same page, but we always try to bring some sort of positively support out of it. So one of the things that we start working on, we, you know, we get rid of the first few months in September, we start talking about goals because everybody waits till January. It's like September, October, November, December is kind of quiet. So why don't you work on it then? Right. So we started working on their first six week goal they want to work on for this year. So one of the things that they had to do first, their first exercise was to create a joy list. They had to create 10 things that bring them joy and not just, you know, oh, the sun brings me joy. Well, why does the sun, what about the sun makes you feel happy, right? Like really tell me what it is. Um, we had one girl in the group, she's a hairstylist. She goes, well, I love, I love when my clients come in. Well, why? What's so great about your client come in? And they're like, well, when I cut her hair, okay, that's great. But what happens that puts the joy in your heart? And she was like, well, they get a whole new look and they look in the mirror and they see themselves differently. I go, see, that's what brings you joy is how they see themselves. Yeah. So they had to create 10 things. I want you to play along with me, Noelle. And if you would give us your top three things that bring you joy and why do they bring you joy? So the one that comes to mind first is my granddaughter. I have a one-year-old granddaughter. She's turning one next week and she just lights up the room, the smile on her face. And if you've ever been around a baby, you know exactly what I mean. The joy a baby brings is just undeniable and it's un unimaginable. It's just, it's just that it's, it's pure joy. Um, my marriage brings me joy. 30 years we've been together. We both have previous marriages. It's, we've been working at this uh, for 30 years, we've gone overseas. We've gone through struggles and and life and different challenges. And it's life. It's living life the way God intended. And it's just, it's not easy, but it's it's joyful. It is when you see your spouse do something beautiful. Or my favorite is watching my husband with the grandkids and how he can turn off every anger moment, every hard thing that happened at work and just be in the moment with the grandkids. It's just beautiful. And then I would say working with women who find that spark. And um, there were a couple ladies that I, I talked to when we were at the speaker camp and it's just seeing that moment of, Oh, I can do that. Or I never thought about it that way. And just giving them a rebirth in, in their life so that they can, now take steps forward and get out of their own way. It's just, 
And it's just that enjoyment that you see in somebody else and them lighting up when their life, um, when they have light bulbs on. I love that. I know it's so much fun watching. I, I feel the same way about my clients. Watch them, you know, go, oh, I, you know, I like, I have one client who she really wanted a dining table. She wanted it so badly and she wanted a car, but her husband did not, you know, want to spend the money. And I'm like, his language right now is how much is it going to cost me? So you need to answer to that. You need to give him some options, create options that he can choose from. Um, and so she, so she did that. She got the table and the car. It was funny. I had the same conversation with my son who I'm hoping sometime soon he'll, he's going to get engaged. So I was like, so what, what are you going to do for the ring? If you start, well, I saw this band at Kay's Jewelers. So I thought I'd get her this band and the next day I would go pick out the ring. And I'm like, well, son, just take her and be like, Hey, if, you know, thinking about, if, I'm sure you guys are talking about it. I was like, yeah, I'm like, just take her out and have her pick her top three rings. And then pick one of the three that you like. He goes, but what if it's not her top one? I go, the point is she picks the top three. <laughs> but in his head, he's like, I want her to have the top one. I'm like, okay, then ask her which one's the top one, you know, out of the three. So, um, but I love that you share that. And you're right. Kids are so much fun. I mean, my son, before he passed, he's, he was dating a beautiful girl. Her name's Brittany. And she, has, she already had a little girl named Evie. And Matt just adored her like she was his own. And she just, you know, she doesn't really talk really well right now. She's um, working on some speech um, issues and challenges, but she communicates like just with her smile and things she does. It's so, so much fun. And and I love, I can't wait to see my husband with grandkids someday because I, I think you're right. It just changes everything about you, which I think is so beautiful. So you talked earlier about you like to do lists and you like the, the idea of checking it off the list, right? So the ladies had to create a not-to-do list, 10 things they have to stop doing in their life that keeps them from being with their grandbabies, keeps them from having time in their marriage, keeps them from helping women find the spark. So, Noelle, what are the top three things that would be on your not-to-do list, and why would they be on that list? Oh, now that's more difficult. You don't think about those every day. We talk about what we're grateful for all the time. Um I mean, siddling and dawdling and trying to figure out life. Don't just sit there and do something. You need to just do something. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, sometimes you just need to take action instead of, oh, what should I do? And I think that's part of my stage in life is trying to figure out what I should be doing. And like, well, just do something, right? Um, I think there's apps on my phone I could not open that might be a little bit more beneficial. Facebook from some time sometimes, right? Uh, social media nowadays is just an overwhelming evil, um, necessary evil some in in some worlds. Um, hmm, what not to do? And I guess for me, it would be texting. I am very much a communicator by word and not by vocal. And I would much prefer to email or text somebody than to call them. And that's not always the best form of communication. So think about what the other person and how that conversation would be received and what the best use of my uh, words would be. Those are three really good ones. I, I, I Like sitting and doodling. I love that. Like sometimes you do, you just... 
You find, I'm going to sit down for five minutes and then two hours later, you're still sitting there not really doing anything. But sometimes you need to do that too. We, we acknowledge that. But then social media, I get that. So I found a new platform to schedule all my social media out. So like all my Friday posts are scheduled to the end of the year. And nice. like at all, like pretty much the only one I have to do is like every two weeks, like this weekend, I'll work on one that keeps me two weeks ahead just because it's a lot more. I, I do a daily pearls of wisdom on my social media. So that takes a lot more thinking and processing. So I'll burn my brain cells out if I try to do, you know, past a month. But um, because I want to be I want to be genuine, you know, with it. So um, what I found by doing that, I'm really not on my phone anymore because I would be on my phone to go post something. And then I'd be like scrolling that doing that squirrel. So I found I'm not doing that anymore. So I love those are those are good. And you're right. Texting, like calling versus texting is. um, Yeah, that's that's powerful because I do that, too. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'll just text them real quick. But sometimes it just needs to hear the voice. And let me tell you that. Um, I was reminded last night, there's a, a huge lesson in my son's passing. Um, some of his friends were trying to help me with his phone and they locked his phone up. So I couldn't get to everybody in his phone to let them all know what happened. But for somehow or another, I got a new phone and somehow or another, our two lines are merged onto my cell phone. It, I don't know. It's, it, I'm sure it's a God thing. And so every once in a while, I'll get this message, a text message, say, Hey, what you doing? And I know that somebody trying to reach my son my, that doesn't know he's passed. And so when that happened, like two weeks after he, like two weeks in a row after he passed, somebody showed up at our door wanting to, to catch up with Matt. But a couple of times now, and as, and last night, somebody sent that text and I had to tell somebody, Hey, call me, you know, this is mom, you know, let me, let's talk. So it just reminds me too, like you said, picking up the phone and talking is a lot more powerful all right so i cannot believe i looked at my watch my clock here and like we're near the end so i want to do our better questions better life.com and those that are listening i get nothing i make no money i don't get any of those you know whatever they call it. anyways these are called better questions better life you can go to better questions better life.com and order your own set 77 cards of positive quotes affirmations you can journal you can meditate you can keep one with you all day long whatever that is for you so I'm going to shuffle them in a while. Tell me when to stop and we'll have you answer it. Stop. Okay. It says, what habit have you most improved in your life? Reading. Oh, what are you reading? Um, so currently I have a power confidence, ultimate guide to unstoppable self-confidence by Vanessa Raymond is what's right here on my desk. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Reading is the best form of self-improvement and easiest for me because it's, you know, it's almost free. Yeah. So my book I'm reading right now, it's called The Smile Method. It's by Seth Elliott. um, And he wrote it about grief, around grief. And each letter is an acronym. And so it's been very, very helpful through our stages that we've been going through. Um, So it's been a lot, a lot of fun. Noel, tell everybody how they can reach you, where they can find you. We'll also put it in the show notes for those that are listening and driving or if you're watching on YouTube, which by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you go follow us and subscribe. But tell everybody how they can find you, Noel. Uh, social media into R2 Peterson and website is add value to life, the number two dot com slash women. Awesome. All right. So listen, everybody, we've talked, we had a great conversation. It's flew by. I cannot believe it. If you want to learn more about the Shiro League that we've talked about, 
just email us hello at wsliving.com. That's hello at wsliving.com and email the word Shiro. We'll make sure you get all that information and learn a lot more about it. We're going to put all the connections to Noelle as well. So you'll be able to reach out to her and chat with her and maybe make an appointment with her and get her journal. It's a great journal. But I want to remind all of you as you come into this world, we've come into this world as a rough oyster on the outside. But as you start cracking that oyster up and you start shining it, you find your own inner pearl. So I hope you go out today and find your inner pearl of greatness and have an amazing rest of your day. 